All right, good morning. Um, if we can have everyone uh, sit down, we're gonna get started here momentarily. <clears throat> um, my name is Brian Everett. I'm the CEO of the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, really excited to be here at Modex. Um, some really good activity uh, and conversations that we've had at our booth. Um, and just so you know, if you are interested in further conversation with us, we just have our booth right, right across this uh, wall here as well. So um, the one thing I do want to tell you a little bit about TMSA before we jump into the uh, presentation this morning, um, it's really as the name sounds, the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. So we're an industry nonprofit, and we're all about bringing together a community of marketing, sales, and business leaders uh, within the transportation and logistics industry. So um, certainly third-party logistics companies, whether they be uh, asset-based or non-asset-based, uh, over-the-road trucking companies, um, maritime players like port authorities are involved, uh, ocean carriers, uh, technology innovators like TMS, w WMS, and enterprise-wide solutions. Um, just a real wide variety who are involved within the organization. And um, the value that we bring to the table is we provide education to the marketplace about how you can be more effective and productive and profitable in your marketing and your sales and, and uh, business strategy. And so uh, we do educational events, like we have our annual conference, for example, uh, June 7th through the 10th this year in Nashville. And it's a very powerful three-day event, lots of opportunity to network with other people, to see best practices within the industry and that kind of thing. Um, and the peer networking is also very valuable as well. The one thing uh, that I also wanted to suggest uh, to you this morning, uh, we've got a special deal for everyone who is joining us here. For the conference itself, it's, it's a, a mid-sized conference um, in Nashville, as I mentioned. It's at the, uh, the Sheridan Music City uh, facility, about 20 minutes from uh, downtown Nashville. But just a real solid conference. Um, we've got about 45 different sessions general sessions, breakout sessions, and, and interactive meetings that we have on topics. And so my associate Don uh, from TMSA is going to go around and scan your badge. If you're interested in being in, entered into a random drawing, we'll do a random drawing to the conference. It's about uh, $1,100 value. And uh, so if you're interested, he's going to start walking around now and, and just let him know if you're interested in being part of that random drawing as well. So with that, I do want to start talking about uh, five steps to making your marketing and sales uh, more productive. And um, one of the things that I wanted to mention is this presentation is based on what we do as, as, a, as an association. We call it the Marketing and Sales Metric Study. And so every year we go to our members and we ask them, and again, these are all transportation logistics type companies, we ask them, What's, what's important within your enterprise when it comes to marketing, sales, and business strategy? Where are you uh, putting your dollars toward in, in your marketing and sales budgets? Um, and where are you maybe pulling back on, on, on your investments in marketing and sales? Um, how many people do you have on your sales team or your marketing team? Um, all sorts of different questions that really help then you to benchmark where your company is at in terms of overall sales and marketing strategy. Um, and so much of the information that I'm going to share with you today is really based on the, the people probably in this group, people who are responsible directly or indirectly for your marketing, your sales, or your business strategy as well. So this is a lot driven in, in accordance to what people are saying that they're actually doing uh, within their organizations. Um, like I said, this is basically a, an annual study. 
Um, and we're actually just working on finalizing the details of our 2020 uh, marketing and sales metrics study. So that should be coming out uh, shortly. And really, like I said, what our goal for this particular initiative is to really help to not only benchmark where companies are at in terms of their investments and their practices overall, but then also to uh, really help to identify emerging trends that are going on within the industry as well. Um, these are some of the metrics that we actually do uh, monitor, and I'll, I'll be sharing some of the findings uh, this morning as well, but not only the demographics of the participants, but also their use in sales uh, or CRM, uh, marketing automation, uh, staff and budget sizes, like I, I was talking about, cost per uh, sales in terms of FTEs, you know, full-time employees, sales contribution by source, um, allocation by marketing budget, just a lot of different metrics that are very valuable to have. So, in fact, if you are interested in uh, obtaining the cop a copy of the 2020 marketing and sales uh, uh, study, we will have executive uh, summaries uh, handed out not only to our members, so it is a member benefit, but uh, if you're interested, once we have it published, you can come back to our website and download a copy of that as well. So here's just a quick snapshot of the demographics of people who participated. You obviously have a pretty decent number of people who are participating on the marketing side, uh, about 60%. Uh, then you have about 40% of those uh, participants are in corporate management roles or also in sales leadership roles. Um, then we also have a number of individuals who are in either a, a marketing operations role or a sales operations role. Those are the people who are doing the work in the trenches daily. So have a real good perspective from different levels of, of uh, titles within the organization as well. And here's just a quick snapshot of the company types that participated in the metric study that then again will kind of drive the content of this presentation. So as you can see, and this is actually very reflective of not only the TMSA membership, but also of the industry at large, many of the participants are third-party logistics companies. Again asset or non-asset based players, you got about 63% of those folks uh, who are all part of that. Um, and then we had about 30% of the participants who are over the road motor carriers. So that's a significant portion of those who are responding. And again, we have others like the technology players, uh, parcel and home delivery uh, players, as well as maritime as well. So size of enterprise, this year we are really excited to see a real well-balanced. You've got the larger enterprises, all the way down to a small mom and pop, you know, might be five people. Um, so a real uh, decent uh, mix of people participating. So as you can see, about a quarter of the folks were micro businesses that uh, have 50 employees or less. Um, and then you have another 31% uh, that are a small or medium-sized business. So again, half of the participants in this, this study were specifically uh, in that smaller enterprise range. And then of course we do have uh, medium and, and large enterprise that are also participating, about another half uh, that are basically 500 people or more. So what I wanna do is talk about five steps in, in which you can uh, improve your marketing and sales strategy. So really the first one, and I'm hearing this time and again from our members within TMSA, is make sure to leverage and utilize technology. There is so much going on right there, and you know, it's interesting, I've, I've got almost a 30-year uh, career within transportation and logistics. I actually started at C.H. Robinson, I was their first uh, marketing executive that was ever hired by the company uh, about 20, 25 years ago, I hate to admit it. And, um, but really, thinking back in those days, 
it was all about relationships, very little use of technology at that time. And when you just think of the dramatic changes that not only happened within the last 25 years, but literally within the last five years, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And so one of the things that I'm hearing from our members and certainly those who weighed in on the results of the study is really talking about ways that you can leverage, uh, whether it be CRM systems, and I'll be talking about that shortly, or sales and marketing automation. Um, there's a lot of redundant tasks that you've got probably your people who are doing some things, and there's no reason why you can't leverage that technology to kind of take away you know, the data entry and that kind of thing. And certainly there's gonna be some entry into your systems. You have to have that as you're transitioning uh, market intelligence and data, whether it be marketing or sales. Um, you gotta get that, that information into the system somehow. So you'll always have that, shouldn't say always, but for now you'll have that uh, with your people having to do some of that work. But just think about the mundane, repetitive, and, and tasks that are really not necessary or customer or prospect facing, and really make sure to leverage the technology. Now there's a lot of investment that can go into technology, certainly, um, but that's a, a great opportunity there as well. And certainly, even as you pull out your iPhones these days, even the artificial intelligence that's happening, uh, it's just incredible. And you know, the autofills of forms online, um, everything that's going on with the artificial intelligence. Again, I think some of us might feel, oh man, that is crazy, um, but really leveraging the AI uh, within the, the, the uh, automation process is very important. All right, so I do wanna just talk very quickly about the use of CRM. Now, this chart we talked about, just asking them, do you use a CRM system? Um, and is there an automation system attached to it? So today, we had 85.5% saying, yes, they do. Now, when we asked this question five years ago, it was a fraction of this. I mean, so even the CRM technology applications and use is really incredible as well. So would very much encourage you, if you are one of those lagging companies that really are still managing um, your relationships within your system using an Excel file or something that's archaic, get with the program. This can really improve the productivity of your people as well. Um, second step to suggest is just listen to the voice of your customer. Um, and in fact, last year at our annual conference, our theme was all about um, the customer experience and really thinking differently about all of our touch points along the way, not only with a prospect, but also then with your customers and engaging them and all, of course, developing more wallet share with your, your, with your customers that are existing as well, so important. But really some of the, the four steps that we suggest in doing this and listening to your voice of customers, first of all, make sure to set upfront measurable goals and objectives with your customers uh, or even with your prospects as you're getting the conversation going with them is making sure that you're on the same page of what are the expectations. So making sure that you get that clearly articulated upfront and then getting their buy-in is so critical as well. The second part of this step is just ensuring the proper collaboration uh, that you wanna have with your prospects or your customers within the relationship. So not only setting up those goals and objectives, but then collaborating with them and, and really making sure that you're listening to what they're saying as well as expressing the value that you can bring to the table. Third would be performing those regular, routine, and meaningful customer reviews. Um, and actually a lot of our uh, TMSA members are saying, especially for the larger customers, that doing those regular reviews can really be a great way to unearth 
opportunities that you might not know about. But even for those smaller customers that might just have been onboarded recently, um, and it might just be a small enterprise that in, you know, in theory you might think there's not a lot of opportunity, it's amazing as you start having those frequent routine reviews, it not only is gonna make sure that your relationship stays strong because you're listening to their concerns, but it's gonna also unearth some of those opportunities that you might not have even been aware of or thought about. And then lastly, implementing a, a strong CX strategy. And so really that entails really thinking about, um, and I'll talk about this short, shortly, the entire buyer journey. What is your customer going through? Um, and, and in terms of the entire relationship from the start when you're just, first of all, talking with them as a prospect all the way to the point where it's eventually run its course and the relationship is no longer in existence. So think about the customer's journey as uh, and, and the customer experience has every touch point that you have along the way. And it really even helps to map that out. What is the customer experience from the day that you start talking to, with them as a prospect and then getting that all mapped out all the way to the point of what that looks like at the end of, of the relationship as well. So, and this, this customer experience um, concept is actually very new to the transportation logistics industry. By no means is it new to B2C, the business to consumer market. Um, they've been doing this for about 20, 25 years. But what is interesting is we in, the, in this industry have been doing components of it or elements for quite some time, but we're now just kind of rolling this up into a very formal uh, business strategy that you can roll up into your own uh, organization as well. But we did ask our members through the TMSA metrics and metrics study of do you do, do you have a formal uh, CX or customer service review strategy? And as you can see, 41% say they do have an informal strategy. Now that's the one thing that's interesting about this. I would probably even debate that, that percentage um, because it's so easy to say, yeah, we're informally doing some things. But if you're not routinely doing things, you might be missing the mark too. So I would really encourage you that if you're of the 16% the of no, uh, no customer experience uh, strategy exists, make sure to start thinking about that too because it can really, again, bring on more discussion with your prospects and your, your uh, customers as well. But as you can see also, we do have another 25%, a quarter of those responding, saying that a formal program does exist. So it really, over the last 24 months, I would say this has really been taking off quite a bit more in our industry, and I uh, would encourage you to be thinking about that as well as part of your business strategy. So as we were talking about earlier, listening to the customer. So what is the buyer journey? And actually, I'm curious, in this room, how many know what a, the buyer journey is? You're familiar with that concept? got some hands, but I'm really surprised that many of you aren't necessarily familiar with that. So I'll talk very briefly about this and at a very elementary level. But again, I think it's very important for you to start thinking about um, what is the steps along the way of the relationship. And that's really what the buyer journey is all about, is putting yourself in their shoes. And actually, people are even to the point of doing more sophisticated work. Well, they'll be putting together buyer personas of you know, what is the best customer that you're looking for and really thinking about the characteristics of that buyer persona. So that's one thing that you can do is, is just be thinking about maybe your top 10% of your customers. Thinking about what are all the characteristics, you know, not only the size of the company, um, the, the industry segments, the services that they might need, all the things that go into helping you to target the firmographic profile of your, of your customer targets, but then also be thinking about the personality types 
of the actual decision makers or influencers. That is so important to be thinking about, you know, who are the right type of people who are gonna be able to move the transaction forward and, and move your, your relationship forward as well. So what we have is we've got four different phases that you have within the, the buyer journey. And this is actually a, an illustration that TMSA created a couple of years ago because we did a theme, I think it was in 2016, the theme was very much understanding and embracing the concept of the buyer journey itself. So you have the first phase, which is basically attracting your prospects. And these are basically you know, transitioning people from just simply a suspect, like they might have a vague understanding of what you're all about, but they really don't know much about who you are, or what you're doing, or that kind of thing. And moving them through the, the buyer journey of at least turning them into a qualified prospect. And that can be through industry events like Modex here. Uh, it can certainly be through advertising campaigns or public relations, media relations campaigns. Uh, digital media and, and SEO are another uh, couple of channels that can be useful there. As well as outbound calling, just cold calling. And I know many of you probably do have teams who are specifically uh, outbound callers and, and doing those cold callings as well. Um, but then the second phase, once you get them into that prospect phase, you're then trying to transition them from prospects to actually good qualified leads. And that can be through strong calls to action. It can be through um, you know, the preliminary sales efforts, um, digital media and website and social media interaction and those kind of things. Um, the third phase then is, of course, closing the deal. Um, so you're, you're getting those qualified leads to actually turn into qualified customers. And certainly that's where very much the aggressive side of the sales process comes in. Um, getting to know their needs intimately, putting together proposals uh, from RFPs and all the things that go in with that, as well as uh, live sales presentations, lead scoring, uh, CRM integrations and those kind of things too. So, um, and then once you actually have your customer, then it's so important for you to be thinking about how can I turn them into my biggest champion? So ultimately, turning them into advocates for you as well. So, and that's a big part of the retention program. And that again is where then the, that customer experience can really kick in at full speed and make some good uh, results for you as well. So we've got measurement uh, within that portion of it, just measuring your account, measuring the progress that you're making with that customer and, and you know, setting those goals and expectations, and then making sure to help them to even be able to evaluate their own ROI of using you as a partner. Uh, loyalty strategies, certainly lots more loyalty activities going on. And in fact, many uh, companies are doing their own customer events so that you can continue to foster those relationships uh, and keep that interaction going and be part of that customer experience as well. And then certainly solid, solid customer service. Certainly within our industry, that service is so critical and, and something that you want to be paying attention to as well. So that in essence is the buyer journey and could be a big uh, element of being able to create your overall customer experience. So step three, is really looking at your sales holistically. It is so important to be not looking at maybe your one, two, or three sales people within your sales department, but thinking about everything. And so some of the metrics uh, that we're gonna be talking about shortly, I'll, I'll be discussing, but the importance here is really uh, four different things to be doing. It's set upfront measurable goals uh, with your teams and making sure that it's not only bought into, but they understand what the expectations are, and then making sure to have you know, that, that constant evaluation of that as well. Secondly, then ensuring that proper collaboration among your sales teams um, and making sure that you've, you've got the dialogue going, you're listening to 
what they're saying and, and really kind of getting a, a sense of, of what are some of the barriers and, and making sure to, to do some of the, those overcoming of those barriers as well. Third piece of this step is performing the regular meaningful customer reviews that you have. And then lastly, implementing that uh, customer experience strategy as well. So here's just a couple of things that you can do and what we learned from the sales and marketing metrics study, uh, factors that really identify uh, the optimum sales lead. This is what people are saying they're looking at closely to really identify what is that perfect or, or that solid opportunity from a sales perspective. So certainly you have lots of people who look at industry verticals. You know, they might really become very familiar with an industry. Maybe it's food and beverage or retail or whatever it is, consumer packaged goods, whatever it is. But you become, you start to become really intimately familiar with the nuances of that particular uh, industry segment. And then you can really hang out your shingle of saying, hey, we're experts at that in, in particular. Uh, so that industry vertical and service vertical is another piece that can be very important. So looking for the type of capabilities and services that your customers provide, and then realize how you can align your own capabilities and pro, uh, you know, processes and everything that makes your unique value proposition so uh, compelling to be using as well. Service requirements, so you know, especially if, if you have limited service requirements or if it's maybe very targeted within geographical areas, which is another piece that they're looking for, really looking at some of those qualifiers as well. Um, and again, this is a, a great way for you to be looking at the firmographic profile that you'll ultimately be you know, building your buyer personas and everything that I talked about earlier as well. So it all ties back together that, from that standpoint. Financial strength and credibility. A lot of our uh, participants in the survey certainly are looking to make sure that there's uh, people who are solid and paying the bills. Um, and that's also something I think that's very important to be thinking about is if it's a startup company, just wanting to make sure that you've got the confidence in their ability to have some longer sustainable operation as well. So those are certainly some factors as well. And then carrier or provider uh, friendly operations, making sure that they truly are an operation that's set up to set you up for success as well as you know, whether you're a motor carrier or an asset-based 3PL, if it's friendly to your drivers and all those kind of factors that go into that as well. Okay, next is how is the sales organization deployed? It's another uh, metric that you can really look at your own organization and kind of figure out, okay, does this make some sense? So um, of those who participate in the, in the study, you've got almost 50% who are very focused on named accounts themselves. So you know, they obviously own the relationship. They're all about making sure they're nurturing it, that they're, they're, they're owning it, they're managing it, um, they're troubleshooting when problems arise and that kind of thing. Um, we also have 40% of folks who are into territories, you know, making sure that you know, if they're based in a certain region that they're, they're gonna be able to kind of work that market, minimize travel, um, but really kind of continue to build the strength, the strength of those relationships as well. Then you have another 32% who answered the industry or vertical uh, market is very important from an organizational standpoint. And here's where it can be very effective. If you've got someone on your team, a sales executive, who really has some great background, some expertise in a particular industry, maybe in their past lives, um, that's a great way for you to be able to leverage that and then start growing your own overall company uh, strengths within that particular uh, industry as well. Account size is another 24%, and then 10% said other variables as well. So, so those are some interesting statistics for you to be thinking about 
you know, other transportation logistics companies are deployed from a sales standpoint this way, um, and just benchmarking your own organization to think, are, are we set up the right way or not? Uh, reasons for lost business, this is always an interesting one. And it does definitely have some variance from year to year within the, the study as we found. But certainly, unfortunately, in the, our industry, price is still three quarters of the reasons why you lose the business. And um, I know that we, as an industry, have really been trying hard to sell value add capabilities and the value add of the relationship. Um, but unfortunately, I think really the, the roots are deep in terms of the buyer of transportation logistics and supply chain services, many people who might be maybe further along in their career are still of that purchasing mindset. You know, they maybe even came from a purchasing role within their organization, and it's about price, price, price. Now, we all know in this room, certainly price is important. It's, it's a factor. But whatever you can do to really make sure if you're not doing, um, you know, incorporating some uh, additional dialogue and strategy into uh, lending value to the relationship and doing other things, whether it be through transparency of shipments or you know, reporting. I mean, really looking at investing, again, back to the point of technology, um, making sure that you can give them what they're looking for. So again, listen to the voice of the customer, understanding what they're looking for, and then making sure to make the right investment so that you can actually deliver uh, into that as well. So it's not always based on price, and you can strengthen that value proposition that you have as well. Um, other reasons for lost business, 45% mergers and acquisitions. Unfortunately, there's oftentimes nothing you can do with that. And oftentimes, we'll even see if someone's been acquired, that relationship that the buyer has been in with you for years can dissipate very quickly. If they no longer have that role or that voice within their own organization to say, yeah, you know, ABC Transportation is the company that we've been using for years. So, of course, that's also something for you to be thinking about is how do you make sure that when an M&A risk or threat happens, and actually it comes to realization, that you make sure that you're able to talk, you know, talk through maybe a way to save the business and, and, um, and make sure to strengthen the, the fact that you have been doing certain things and articulating the back to the, the players that be. Uh, service or inability to meet needs, of course, those are also other reasons for business loss. So next, for looking at your sales holistically, is just measuring the salesperson's success. Lots of different ways to do this. These are some of the key ways that, that people within a sales leadership role are literally working with their sales teams to make sure that they're on track. And I know many of you have compensation models that are based on results, which is a great thing, obviously. And so th that really reflects a lot into this. So you've got 52% that are really based uh, their, their success on win ratio wins versus losses. You've got another 45% um, that's a win ratios based more on the dollar and the revenues that are coming in. Of course, you've got a percent of, of quotas that are attained. So if you've got that quota goal that you've got your team shooting for, um, that's always something good to, to be able to, to focus on. Um, average sales value, 43%. Number of sales calls made. I think this is always kind of an interesting one because sometimes companies are uh, rewarding on activity versus results. And of course, activity can lead to results, but I do definitely urge some caution here of making sure that somehow you can still tie back to results as well as the activity uh, that your folks are doing. Number of proposals or quotes made, you've got another 38% saying that. 
appointments with decision makers. And let's face it, that's oftentimes a very difficult thing to do these days because everyone's schedules are so busy. So certainly wanting to make sure that you um, are looking at ways to help them to be able to actually land those appointments and start to build those one-on-one -on -one relationships as well. Okay, and then step five, um, or, or I'm sorry, step four, we're also looking at looking at your marketing holistically. We talked about looking at sales holistically. Now what about marketing? And we've got a number of, uh, of uh, metrics that we'll be looking at here too. But really, there's five things that are very important within this process. The first one is making absolutely sure that you've got full alignment between all of the marketing activity and the strategies that's going on there with your sales and operations. And, and you don't have those silos. It's really important to break down those silos in particular. Um, and so really, some of the things that I would also recommend in this area is develop smart goals. You know, those are real basic things. It's specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-based. I mean, if, if you are nailing your uh, goals in this way and really making sure that everyone then knows and understands those goals that are established, um, it makes it very clear if you've got some, some win or, or a success rate versus failure as well. Uh, and then making sure that you're reflecting all of your marketing activity to the buyer journey, as we talked about earlier. Um, and then fight, of course, for appropriate revenue uh, or appropriate marketing resources. That's the one thing that certainly, if, you, if you've been in this industry for any amount of time, oftentimes marketing resources are just, it's, it's under-resourced. Um, and so really be looking carefully at what you can expect for your ROI in marketing investments, you know, making sure that those, uh, those, those evaluations are realistic, but then ultimately making sure that that you've got, you're building the right cases to your top management um, and really understanding you know, the importance of, of resourcing your marketing activities. And then lastly, establishing uh, the appropriate ROI, you know, measurable uh, ROI and, and what you're trying to get out of the deal too. So make absolutely sure uh, that you're setting up some of those things. So now I'm just gonna share with you a, a couple of mar marketing metrics that really have to do on the marketing uh, and communication side of thing. So first thing to point out is you basically have within our industry, and, and keep in mind, you had about a quarter of, of um, the respondents within the metric study, you know, were under, um, you know, under $250 million in revenue. And so in this case, that kind of reflects that. Obviously, uh, you've got, you know, about 33% who are saying they don't have any more than 25 or $250,000 in terms of their marketing budget. So I think that really speaks volumes of, you've got the small companies that certainly are limited more in terms of what they can put together. And keeping in mind, this is, these figures are actually not inclusive of headcount or human resources. This is just outside investments of, of marketing uh, itself. Uh, but then you do have um, between 250,000 and a half a million in terms of budget, you've got another 23.5%. Um, and then you have kind of a mixture of, of uh, marketing budgets uh, in the remainder. So again, I think this industry is pretty historic uh, and has a reputation of, of being somewhat under-resourced in terms of marketing dollars. All the more reason to do some of the smart things that we talked about earlier in terms of marketing automation, um, making sure that you've got CRM systems in place, all those kind of investments that if you've got to really maximize your impact uh, of your marketing dollars, that you've got that capability to do that. So here's where we asked uh, folks in terms of where are you actually investing 
your marketing dollars. As you can see, about 20% are actually in industry events, shows like Modex here um, and other things. You know, it clearly is still an industry that's heavily based on um, getting to know people, building relationships with not only good pro starting prospects, but also um, existing customers. And so that investment can be very heavy, obviously. You, you know, sometimes you might be an exhibitor. I'm sure many of you are probably exhibitors here or sponsors. Um, those are not small dollars to be talking about. So that's actually one thing to really keep in mind that if you do invest heavily in industry events, just make absolutely sure that you've got a solid strategy articulating your goals and objectives, you know, everything that we talked about earlier as well, and making sure that then you're deploying those resources in an intelligent way. Um, then you have another 17% uh, that invest dollars uh, within 17% uh, of the, the marketing spend is on website and SEO. I'm seeing this is, is continually growing. I think that this will quickly uh, overtake the investment in, indus in industry events very shortly. Um, there's so much opportunity there where if you can be online uh, as the buyer habits change, if you can be online where you expect the buyer to be, um, that, that's going to really open up so much more opportunity. So that's kind of where, again, developing your buyer persona, so understanding, um, you know, as they're doing their searches on the web and really doing their own uh, investigation of market intelligence and who they might want to be doing business with online, I'm making absolutely sure uh, that you not only have some good SEO so that your website can be found, and then making sure that obviously your website is your best salesperson, I mean your, your best sales asset. Um, if, if your website truly speaks to the value proposition and is a modern, contemporary, engaging website, that thing is gonna pay off in spades. So if you're a little bit behind the times on your website, I'd highly encourage you to really invest not only in uh, deploying the right resources to make sure that your online presence is strong, and then also then starting to invest in SEO and, and website uh, uh, performance as well. Then you've got another 15% uh, that invests, or 15% is invested into the digital uh, advertising side of things. Of course, you have print advertising at 10% too. So advertising continues to be an area that, that is heavily invested. But content marketing, that's another area where things are really growing dramatically and a great way for you to engage online through relevant content, um, maybe developing white papers that have great calls to action that can really establish yourselves as a, a thought leader on a particular subject matter that ties back to your own business. I do want to really caution you, however, make sure that your white papers or your assets that people are downloading are relevant. And it's not all about a commercial of your company, but it's all about positioning yourselves as, again, that thought leader within that particular space on that subject matter as well. Um, and as you can see, other uh, investments as well, you've got CRM and marketing automation. 13% uh, of, of marketing budgets are there. Uh, email marketing, that's actually an interesting thing. I think people are much more sensitive of everyone being blasted via email. So really be, if you do have email marketing as part of your strategy, just make absolutely sure that you're being very thoughtful um, about when and for what reason are you sending out emails. Um, because it's so quick for people to just basically say, I'm gonna opt out. If they get, even get one email that's not worth their time, it starts to become very annoying when you don't have relevant content coming out. All right, and then we also asked our uh, uh, participants in the study, um, what's the marketing budget that you have by objective? 
so basically, you've, and this is no surprise here, you have almost 40% of the folks answering, uh, saying that their customer acquisition and lead generation, very important. Um, then you have another quarter of respondents saying brand awareness. Um, that's, that brand awareness is still very important. Obviously, it supports when the sales team is out and about or at events like Modex here too. Um, it really helps to foster and accelerate that conversation much quicker than if there's no idea of who you are. So getting that brand awareness uh, is very important and key. Customer loyalty and retention, 15%. Again, lots of investments of more customer activities, um, certainly taking folks out to dinner so you can foster those relationships and all those investments um, are, are still very critical, as well as then demand generation at 14%. Um, and then as I, we started asking just this year, the customer experience of it, knowing that that's a growing component, and I was actually quite surprised that you already have 9% of people suggesting that they're investing um, into uh, their marketing dollars for the customer experience. And then uh, also looking at how do you track the ROI of your marketing? Um, you know, there's so many activities out there that really it's, it's a pretty difficult thing to track what the actual uh, results are that you get within campaigns. And I'll be the first to admit there are some, some strategies that it's just very difficult to track what that is. But I just really want to encourage whatever you do, make sure that you're asking that question seriously about, okay, if I'm going to invest these dollars, in what ways are we going to be able to not only track the ROI, but then justify it in the future? It's not all about what you're investing today, but it's also thinking about what you're possibly going to invest in tomorrow. So if you're not tracking your, or measuring the success of a campaign, but you have an annual campaign that's going year over year, it's really tough to be able to continue to justify that. And it just doesn't make good business sense. So wherever you can, make sure to, to measure what you can. So what we do is we, in the metric study, we do kind of a self-grading of, you know, where do you think that you're, uh, you're measuring your ROI successful versus not so. And so we've asked basically in four different ways. Do you think you, you do best in class in terms of measuring ROI in this area? Very good, good, or basic. So that's kind of the scale there. Um, and as you can say, see, we do definitely have some folks who are saying, hey, we're doing some best in class and very good things. But really, when you look at uh, the overall self-grading, there's a lot more stronger numbers and just the good are very good. So I think that's reflective of all of us who are on the marketing side of things to realize, yeah, we're, we're doing some things here, but there's definitely room for improvement. So um, that's something that I just wanted to point out there as well. Um, and then part of the improvement of your marketing and sales, and certainly your, your marketing, is just making absolutely sure that your marketing is aligned to your sales and your operations. So this, this really just kind of gives you an idea of some of the ways that you can align for business growth when you actually are tying some things together. Um, and really, like I said, it's just a matter of making absolutely sure um, that you have not only the silos broken between sales and marketing, but also you have the regular um, commitment of collaborating and making sure that that dialogue is going so that there's no missed opportunities if something even changes within maybe a business or a sales strategy marketing has got to be one of the first to know so that they can quickly pivot or adjust uh, the marketing uh, appropriately there too so those are the five steps um, that I really would encourage you to uh, be looking at want to open up we've got just a few minutes for some Q&A anybody have questions about uh, some of the content that I discussed.
And while you're thinking about your question, I'm gonna have Don, if there's anybody else who did not get scanned, if you wanna be uh, in the random drawing that we're gonna have here shortly for the annual conference, anybody that has not been scanned who would like to be scanned and entered into the drawing? Yeah, somebody over here. No questions? All right, what I do wanna encourage you to do is if, if you do have questions about um, any of the content that I've had, we actually have a very active blog uh, that has some great information on our, our website, tmsatoday.org. Lots of these issues are being addressed. Lots of these are also being addressed by practitioners, people like yourself. And um, so take a look at that and would really encourage you to, if you're not a member of TMSA, to be thinking about that. So. I think we've got everybody, so let's do the random drawing now, uh, too. So Don, are you ready to press that button? I think everyone is, oh, got somebody right over here. And again, the annual conference is June 7th through the 10th um, at Sheridan Music City in Nashville. So what's great about this app that we have at Modex is it actually does have a random drawing component on it. So. He's whipped it through, and so what we have, uh, Nathan Chang, United Cargo Logistics. Nathan, are you here? There you go, you got it. All right, that is all I have, so thank you so much for coming this morning, and I hope you have a great rest of the weekend.